How's it, guys? Welcome back for another episode with me, Nick. And as always, I'm joined by my buddy, Ronnie. And joined in person this time. Joined in person. So I've been having quite a week. ASCOM decided that I was deserving of extra, extra load shedding, you know, doing my bit for the environment and everything. So I haven't had power since eight o'clock on Monday morning. It is now Wednesday. 7 p.m. on Wednesday, Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Tuesday evening. We normally record way before this. So that's been a bit of a fun. Ronnie's kind enough to let me come and charge all my devices. And we're having a recording session in his kitchen. So if it sounds a little bit off, guys, apologies for that. But I think all our South African listeners at least can understand what load shedding does to a person. I suppose the listeners from South Africa that immigrated elsewhere, I mean, they'll know. They're probably like, yeah, we told you so. Here we are sitting in my kitchen because I have some electricity after two back-to-back four-hour sessions today of nothing. We're, we're against the clock. We've already lost an hour and then it's going to be load shedding in three hours again. <laughs> Man, it's unbelievable, really. This It sounds like we're bringing back Ron, Ronnie's rant in this episode, but yeah, it's really been a bit frustrating and, and challenging to deal with this week. Cold showers and all of that, but good news, Ronnie. Backstreet Boys are coming to Pretoria. Yeah, Backstreet's back, all right. <laughs> Yeah, we had a bit of a laugh at that one last night watching some of their shows. You know, that's sort of our generation's pop music. It's going to be here at Sun. Sun. It's never been my... my. I said our generation. I didn't necessarily say us. I know, you're, like, you're like, trying like to be songs. funny now. You're trying to be funny now by claiming oh, it's our generation. It's not ours specifically. But you were the one that tried to convince me last night that we should be going to Backstreet, Backstreet Boys. Okay, I'll confess I did think we should attend it until you put on a show of theirs. and. I saw them in sparkling glitter suits and all of that. Over that now, I would only go for one or two songs. And we actually debated it. When do they sing Backstreet's Back? Is it the first song or is it their encore song? It, well, based on what we watched yesterday from their show in Argentina, it must be the encore song. So anyway, so we're sitting in my kitchen. We are very miserable. It feels very strange sitting next to Nicholas because I tend to see him through the computer screen, which is quite nice. Much better looking. But much better. Yeah. But you had a bit of a weekend as well, eh, Ronnie? You went with some of the lads down for, for a bit of a session to celebrate the Superbrew. Yeah, so I actually went to Paris. And by Paris, I mean of a barstool by a braai in Paris, the Free State. And um, I went with three line supporters. And I'm a shocker, honestly. So. Are they doing all right today? Yeah, it was a little bit unfortunate uh, going to a bar with them to watch, watch the game. And then, uh, you know, watching the Sharks win. Yeah, the Sharks, the Sharks did get a win there, you're right. But I hope you rubbed it in a little bit. I know you said you were... Well, my colleague calls me out quite a bit for calling him my colleague. Um, we actually, we had a bet going for a bottle of Jägermeister. Not like you and your colleague that bet for a very small bottle. We actually have a large bottle in play and uh, I won, which is the first time because he, he's I've given him quite a few Jägermeister bottles over the, over the, over the years. But yeah, it was a big weekend. And I think I got a little bit sick, so I've actually had a sick day today. Bit of a fever yesterday and whatnot, so sorry for you that's sitting here next to me now. Hope you don't catch what I got. Yeah, so Red Hot Rum will definitely give you that fever. <laughs> Talking about it, let's dive into the URC action. You know, it's been a bit piecemeal, the rugby that's on and off and on and off. But some good action this weekend, you know, starting off with Leinster getting a 43-14 victory over Dragons at home. I mean, another big score from Leinster. And they're missing 15, 16 players to the Irish setup, yeah. and they still pull something like that off. 
I mean, it's actually ridiculous. We could just skip over the lens to any game that lends the players because they tend to win it, except when they play the South African teams in playoff matches, of course. But well done to Leinster. Dragons, I was hoping for a bit more from you, but I suppose they were also missing some of their players. Yeah, the Welsh team's all struggling. We will have a chat about what's going on in Wales a little bit later in the pod. Then we look over Scarlets getting a decent-sized victory over the Scottish side. 42-14 win over Edinburgh. That was a good game from Scarlets. Some much-needed log points from them. Yeah, and Edinburgh is also, you know, I saw a lot of posts on Reddit, and I'm quite active on Reddit. And some of their fans were hoping that Edinburgh would break into the top eight, which they couldn't do. They're, you know, it's touch and go. They don't have much time left to get into the top eight. So they needed a win, but well done to Scarlets. Yeah, I mean, at this point in the season with a lot of the internationals away, it really shows squad depth. Because, I mean, Edinburgh got a victory over Saracens in the Heineken Cup, but now struggling to beat Scarlets. You know, it's 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 different every week at the moment. Then Cardiff, a 30-13 win over Benetton at home. Also, much-needed victory for Cardiff. 30 points, fairly well played. Yeah, well then to Cardiff. I think between the two teams, Benetton lost more players, though, to international duty. Because a, la- a large contingency of the Italian team comes straight out of Benetton. But the South Africans that remained in Benetton, you know, they did all right, but they, they couldn't couldn't hold off Cardiff from running away with it at the end there. Yeah, you see, guys complain a lot about having South African players when they've gone on national duty. But I'm sure they're smiling right now while, while all their native international players are away and they've got the, the Springbok players to utilize. And then you take a look at quite a big scoreline, actually. Zebra 34-57 Connacht. I think that for a defensive game. Both sides. Both sides. Both sides. So, look, Zebra, you know, they've had one or two promising performances in, in recent weeks, maybe. Uh, I think you could probably tell by my tone, not 100% convinced of their promising performances. I expect a little bit better from them. But, you know, 57 points through their defensive line, that's, that's a little bit shameful. But the same should be said for Connacht. 34 points to, to slip that that many is, is a lot. Maybe they just threw everything at attack and not much at defense. Yeah, then we move over to Pretoria. So I decided last minute I was going to attend the, the game at Loftus. Gave my buddy Linzer a call and he drove through from Harties. You know, we went through to that game. Bulls ultimately losing that one 19-23. I think Dion Fareed deserves a hell of a shout out. I actually said to Linzer in the stands, I'm like, Dion Fareed's going to steal it. Dion Fareed's going to steal it. Boom, he steals it. And that gave the Stormers the edge, got ahead, and they never surrendered. Good defense on their try line at the end. Five in a row for Stormers over the Bulls. It sucks for me a bit because you know how I feel about those uh, those folk from Western Cape, Western Province slash Stormers. But look, they're the South African team to beat. They're, they are the South African Leinster. They really are an incredible side. And it shows, you know, their, their counterattack is potent. Marnie Lubbock with his passing skills. We saw some of it against the Bulls again now. Really, really threat. And I just need to talk about this Loftus situation again because I find it very funny on social media. The last time I chirped Loftus was after we went for the exit to Chiefs game. And people gave me a lot of shit on, on our social media platforms about my review of Loftus. Now I actually took a video of Loftus not functioning. And I've got over 50 messages of people being like, 100% agree with you. The queues are terrible. You can't get to the toilet. You can't get beer. The music is shit. The speakers in the grandstand are cuck. So, guys, you need to make up your mind. Are you well, supporting me or not? Yeah. You got 50 people agreeing with you, but love to know how many disagreed with you. I didn't get one disagreement message this time. Eh? Really? Not one. You can't dispute a video like that. I mean, I don't know if you saw it, Ronnie. 
standing there and there's crowds. It's just crowds. It's absolute chaos. And then it's about 38 minutes. I went down under the stands to see a mass of people who should be watching the rugby queuing for beer. And then they just shut the doors in front of everyone because now they've run out of beer. Pretty poor for me. Yeah, that's that's terrible. But we'll talk about that later, surely. Yeah, we'll get onto that a little bit later. As Ronnie said, the Lions did lose seven points to 29 to the Sharks. Very shit first off. From both sides. From both sides. From both sides. Look, I expected the Lions to pack a bit more punch considering it was high felt. It was at Ellis Park. And they had all 32 of their fans there. And um, I expected a bit more from the Lions. A couple of calls maybe didn't go. The bounce of the ball didn't go their way. Those 50-50 decisions went the way of the Sharks. But, you know, it happens, right? You can't blame your your season season's poor performance on one game. No, for sure. And the Lions really are struggling now. Kerwin Botch, you know, he put in a strong performance to help the Sharks out there. But also not a convincing performance from the Sharks, ultimately. I think it was... I, I wasn't too pleased as a Sharks fan with what they put on there. Very happy with the win. It takes us into the top eight on the URC log now with the game in hand. But I do expect much better. When you see a side like Leinster also missing their internationals, putting on a big score like that, sort of expect more from the Sharks. For sure. And uh, there's a couple of murmurs going around about the unhappiness of old Cashman Royan at the Lions there. I think you sent me a link with that. Players <laughs> speaking out being fed hot dogs. Hot dogs? Hot dogs. <laughs> Whilst they were on tour in Europe. I mean, we, we can't verify those stories, but that's what's doing the rounds. And with a performance like this, he's just been offered a contract review. He has a 38% win rate, and they've offered to renew his contract now. Cash strapped, maybe. Maybe they don't have the money for it another coach but look they've got some great assistant coaches there so they've obviously got some money sitting somewhere it makes you wonder what's happening for a professional team to go play Stade Francais and to be fed hot dogs in the hotel remember that crazy chicken we got fed in Paris Ronnie when we were there in what 2014 not Paris actual Paris Paris. no there was a lot of feathers still on my on my bird (laughs) that was a bit of an experience well maybe that's how they do it there I mean we're 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 Berating them all the way here from the southern hemisphere and the southern tip of Africa. Maybe they do like feathers on their birds there. Or maybe the, the Lions players just thought the big French baguette was like hot. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, a French, a French gourmet hot dog. Yeah, who knows? Like we say, we can't verify those stories, but something is not functioning there at the Lions. And also just to talk about the crowd attendance, I don't think each player even had one family member in the crowd. It was so empty. Well, I want to say it's only the family members that were there. Yeah, if if that. I mean, there was no one in those stands. And then Lofter sets the record for crowd attendance in the URC group stages. Am I taking it too far to say Ellis Park's days are done? We said this when we watched, when we were into over and watched the Springboks play there in what, June, July? When yeah. was that? August, maybe. And Ellis Park, there's a lot to be desired. I mean, maybe we're just being a little bit biased because we went to the nice, fancy stadiums in Cape Town and in Bombela. But Ellis Park is an age stadium and facilities planning is outdated. It needs a revamp. It's just chaotic. The whole, you know, you're constantly watching for your safety there and um, it's just unfortunate really yeah and like you say crucially safety now can you imagine going to ellis park with the other 20 people that showed up and having to park there in that cbd and try and walk safely into the stadium i yeah i'm very critical of ellis park i'm very undecided as to whether or not i'm going to attend the test there this year yeah i think it's time to call it on that one then 
Let's go over Glasgow. 17-11 win over Ulster. Well that done, one. Glasgow. Yeah, well done. That one surprised me. Ulster's struggling a bit, right? So they've had a couple of weeks now, possibly even a month or two. They're really struggling in the URC, but there's still a strong, there's still a strong contender, obviously, for playoffs and, and that coming late in the URC. But well done to Glasgow. I mean, this is what we want. Last year we saw the Irish teams and the South African teams dominate. We really want to see a better showing from both Scotland and Wales and uh, possibly even Italy, but uh, they struck me a bit. But well done to to a Scottish team, one over the, the Ulster men. Very, very impressed, Glasgow. Well done on that win. Well deserved as well. And I'm sure the home crowd loved that. And then massive thumping here. Munster 58, three points, Ospreys. It was a perfect showing from Munster. Yeah. I mean, good defense, good attack. I mean, their set plays were lucky to were strong. The Ospreys, well done on getting three points. Yeah. Bit of a consolation kick there to try and, and get away that whitewash. But yeah, massive, massive performance for Munster. They were really running riot there. And Ospreys just had no answers. Yeah. So then, Ronnie, we've touched on the URC. Now, Six Nations is coming back this weekend. But before we get into that, there's another competition starting up. The old Super, super Rugby. Pacific. Pacifica. Pacifica. Okay, so so Super Rugby Pacifica, which used to be, well, Super Rugby used to be our bread and butter at Ross. And drifted away a bit from it. I used to know everything about it. And then uh, we focus a bit more on the UFC. But it's good to see Super Rugby back because those are big, big name players playing down there. And it's it's a big season for them. A lot of the guys, Artie Sevilla, Bowden, Aaron Smith, all leaving at the end of this year to play in Japan. And I'm sure they're going to lose a lot more players. So it's going to be very interesting to see the season unfold. I definitely think it's lost a lot of appeal in terms of how it's structured, the strength of the New Zealand teams versus the Aussies. Yes and no. So internationally, I think that it's taken a bit of a knock. I mean... Your fans from abroad might not necessarily watch it. I think South Africa, a lot of viewing numbers coming out of South Africa. But I think locally, from what I see, you know, the Australians and the New Zealanders are quite happy the way that it's played out. They are still adamant. It's the it's competition to watch. There's, it's the best rugby in the world, according to them. I don't know so much, but uh, it is definitely exciting, though. Yeah, I mean, they all play a very exciting brand of rugby. You have to give them that. It just feels like there's a major imbalance in the competition. And you were just saying, you know, how good is it to see Glasgow beating Ulster, for example? I mean, you know, Crusaders versus Brumbies, Crusaders are winning. Or Yeah, and what we want to see is Australia, you know, stepping it up. Exactly. Right. They've just got Eddie, Eddie Jones back into the picture there in Australia. So hopefully he's making the rounds. I know I listened to one of <coughs> his podcasts. I don't want to advertise it, but it is a very good podcast to listen to. And Eddie Jones has been making the rounds, going to see the Tars, going to see the Brambies in their preseason warm-ups. And, uh, you know, he's talking favorably about what's to come. So let's hope some of the Australians can make a bigger impact. Yeah, we have to hope that the Aussies can lift it because after what they did, the RFU did to Eddie Jones, I'm backing the Aussies to thump the English in a quarterfinal. And that all starts with domestic form. You know, Eddie will be watching them keenly, like you've said as well. So, Ronnie, just quickly, who are you predicting for a Super Rugby win? Or is this a foregone conclusion already? Or Crusaders? Yeah. What you're thinking? We're both going there. Razor to lift another one. Crusaders Crusaders to take it home. Now, there's some murmurs that the Chiefs will be strong this year, but I don't see anyone really. You know, there's strong. always murmurs about every team. No, this season we're going to be strong. This season, it just, you know, you got to play a couple of games to see if it's the truth. So, we'll see. 
I hope that the Crusaders aren't as dominant as they have been in previous years. I hope that the Chiefs can step it up a bit. I hope that all the Australian teams are obviously... You know, you're talking about Mahona Pacifica. We want them to also have a good showing. No, exactly. So let's let's pay some attention to that competition. We are running a Super Brew, guys. If you search Rugby Puntage, you'll find all our... Very easy to beat, Nick. Let me just put it out there. He's the host of this podcast, so... Just beating the host of this podcast, you know, you know something about rugby. I reckon you're chirping me that because I forgot to make half my picks in Vasti Cup yesterday. You're an idiot. That rugby that rocks crept up on me, but it was Vasti Cup yesterday, Monday night rugby back again. That really was lacquer to watch. Although my team ticks, or mine and Ronnie's team ticks, they lost to Shimless. 26-25. Shimless ran riot against Tux early on before Tux made a bit of a comeback. If you haven't caught on by now that the Shimlers are actually a dominant team when it comes to Varsity Cup, you know, where have you been? Because it's been a number of years now where playing the Shimlers, you're less confident, actually. It's true. And Matt Proudford actually spoke out about the strength of Shimlers. But yeah, last year's semi-finalists and Shimlers getting the win at Tux. Yeah, that was a big one. Vitz getting a 59-49 win over CUT. Both teams forgot how to tackle there. That was just right. Try line to try line to try line. That's, yeah, there's not much we can say about that game other than pure attack, absolutely no defense. Yeah. Eagles, they got a 41-28 win over UJ. Eagles is the old picker. They've been renamed. So that was a... Are they now called the Eagles? NWU Eagles. NWU Eagles. So in triple U Eagles. (laughs) No. In W U Eagles. In Triple U Eagles. Yeah, I'll give it to you, Ronnie. That does English that is does a strange it. language. <laughs> and then the big one of the week, I reckon, was the Martys hosting Ike Tigers 21-19. Shout out to Coach Matt. Well done. Good start to your campaign. And yeah, Martys will be chuffed to that victory. Very, very close. Sure. Well done, Martys. It was a last minute kick as well. So yeah. a pressure kick for a young man like that to step up, slot the kick for the win against a very strong Ike side. Well done, Martis. Yeah, and Martis losing actually two of their key players to the Sharks. Novaldo Fleurs having done very well from them last year is now playing for the Sharks in the URC on occasion. That hiccup is not because we're drinking beer. <laughs> yeah, the beer's not cold. Thanks, Escar. Thanks, Escar. <laughs> and then, Ronnie, some Six Nations action coming up this weekend again. It's been a week off. I think it's a bit disruptive for a tournament to take a week off like that. They don't have the travel factor or whatever. But some big games on the cards. We have Italy versus Ireland. Ooh. I don't know what sort of team Ireland's going to put out there. I'd like to see them give their young fly halves a bit of a chance. Wales versus England, some controversy on that, which we'll get to a little bit later. And then France versus Scotland is an interesting one in Paris. I think let's have a chat about that game, Ronnie. What do you think the Scots are going to pull out? A rabbit. (laughs) A rabbit from the kilt. A rabbit from the kilt. We're hoping that Scotland does well, I'm assuming. I mean, we're supporting, I think it's fair to assume that they would be considered the underdogs going into this game. But we don't want to see them as such. We want to see them dominate a bit more. They've already had the best start to the Six Nations that they've ever had. And we want to see them turn two straight wins into three straight wins. But the French, the French, they are they are dangerous. They are very dangerous. And I actually think I said it to you when we were at a bride recently, you know, if Scotland managed to beat either of France or Ireland in the Six Nations, we're in big trouble. We have a big problem at the World Cup because we've got them and Ireland in our pool. So guys, South African fans, especially watch the France versus Scotland game on Sunday. That is going to be cracker. Hoping Scotland can pull it off, but I don't think they're going to get it right. We'll be supporting in Paris. That's what we'll be doing. Finn Russell for the win. 
pull some crazy shit out there. Do one front of as Eddie Jones likes to call him Dwayne front of Mur. We want to see him dominate. Sounds like a nice kind of French champagne. I just can't believe it. I mean, he coached in South Africa. Can he not say Marva? Yes, yeah. So some Six Nations action coming for you. Major League Rugby's also on. Guys, there really is plenty of reason to come up with an excuse to go shopping. Or not to go shopping. (laughs) Then we take a look. Some general chatter. I'd like to have us, us to have a chat about Ronnie. First one is Razor possibly joining Fiji for the World Cup. Shorts then for some international coaching experience. I don't really know what to make of that because you can't really build a long-term team and depth with only like nine months on the contract, right? So maybe he can pull off one or two magical wins the way Eddie Jones did with Japan back in 2015 when they beat certain teams. But I don't really know what to make of it. I, it's, it's, I, I struggle. If they can make playoff quarters or something like that, that would be amazing for Fiji. Uh, but yeah, Razor's going to get some exposure to the international setup. And then uh, we'll see where he moves on to after that because there's some mutterings going on. Yeah, so just just on the Fiji move, I think, like you say, I mean, you're not going to build a World Cup winning squad. And I think Fiji realistically is not going to be a challenger for that. But I do see Razor as quite a nice fit, actually, with Fiji because they play an exciting brand of rugby similar to what the Crusaders would play. And Razor is a fun coach that could really light up that team environment and, you know, get the players a bit cohesive and not winning the World Cup, but really putting on a good showing through the pool stages. So that would be lucky to see. But like you said, Ronnie, there's some utterings or mutterings, whatever you want to call it. Razor will not be getting the New Zealand job is what's been floating. It's the latest rumor. I mean, the the rumor. first rumor was he could get it off the World Cup. Next rumor is... No, he won't be getting it. Yeah. So, I mean, no one really knows at this point until an announcement is made, but that's the rumor doing the rounds. So then the speculation obviously occurs and then it says, well, where else could he go? Is he going to just stay with the Crusaders, go back to them and stay with them? Or where else does he go? Because there's a couple of teams that have got new coaches already with long-term contracts. So where does he go? Yeah. So the teams that are already opening up for a new head coach post-World Cup is a side like the USA Eagles. I don't see Razor really making a move there. You've got a team like uh, Scotland, which could be a perfect fit for Razor. But I see today that Scotland made an approach to Leon McDonald. And in all fairness, I think Scotland would be pretty stupid to get rid of Gregor now when he's just had the best start Scotland's ever had to the Six Nations. Why are they not offering him a contract extension? Other countries he could take up, South Africa potentially using Rusty to Leicester. No, that's also another reason so, floating around. We have to, we can't say South Africa because South Africa has never had an international coach in the, in the head position, right? So, yes, we've had Eddie Jones and the likes, but they've always come as an assistant person. We like to keep things in house, and I think there would be a lot of rioting going on in this country, people up in arms if we were to get an international coach when you've got the likes of Zondile Stick that's been in the mix for a while now. So, I think realistically, Zondile Stick would be our next coach or head coach after Jacques, but maybe Jacques stays on as well, depending on the success later this year. Yeah, look, Rossi and Jacques do have contracts that extend through 2024 as well, but it'll be very interesting to see. I think the only place I see Razor going if he doesn't get the All Blacks job is Scotland. I don't see any other international fit, and he's made it very clear he's tired of coaching domestic rugby. He wants an international Italy? position. Yeah, Italy, you never you never actually know. It's all speculation, but it, I could see him at Scotland and I could see him pulling it off well. Sure. And then Ronnie, Mornay's staying. So he... So I see he's, 
you, you moved Mornay Stain in here because you want to have a chat based on his performance. Yeah, well, let's start with that 50-22. Absolutely. 22-22. 22-22, yeah. Absolute banger of a kick showing. He's still got it at Loftus. And Springbok fourth. You know, I've already spoken about how I wouldn't mind Mornay going to the World Cup. I think it could... If Sexton can do it in his 40s. Exactly. Why couldn't Mornay? And I mean, it all depends on the situation of Flyhoff, but really, I would be taking Pollard, Marnie, and Mornay as my three tens. So that would be the thing. But you know what you've got with Mornay. He's not going to let you down. If you need someone come in the clutch moment, possible from, you know, that inside channel, that first channel outwards, he can do that. If you want him to, you know, bring in his precision kicking, he can do that. And obviously win you a game with a penalty kick from 40, 50 meters out. Exactly. I mean, it's all entirely possible from good old Mornay. He really is a skillful player. And before I ask you the question I want to, that's going to get a lot of controversy going. I just want to say Mike Brown, I don't know if you saw his post-match interview. So he was yeah. offered a position at uh, the Tigers. He now joined them, debuted for them this weekend, scoring a try. A little, little, little bit emotional in his chat as well. Yeah. So he came out and he spoke about, you know, Age doesn't really matter. A player is a player until he can't play the game anymore. And I just want to read you some of the ages that appeared for Leicester this weekend. And remember, they beat Saracens. So in the Leicester Tigers backline, they had Mike Brown at fullback, 37 years old. Chris Ashton at 14, 35 years old. At 13, they had Matt Scott, 32 years old. At 9, Ben Youngs, 33 years old. Ben Olds. At 20... <laughs> That's a good one. At 12, Jimmy Goppeth, 39 years old. So, guys, age is just a number. If the player can do it, the player can do it. And another one that proved that point is Dion Fury this weekend. Absolutely. And Mike Brown said it, that if they look after themselves the way that they have, then they are special or there's a special caliber of athlete that can look after himself for so long. And we just typically say, oh, well, we've got to move on to the youngsters, you know, look forward to the game. But if you've got such a, and especially in a World Cup year, if you've got such a talented, albeit aged player, play him. Exactly. 100% for it. And yeah, now Ronnie, you're ready to get controversial. Yeah, hit me. Is Mornay Stain more of a legend at Loftus than Nas Boerta? Not yet. Not yet. When he retires. When he retires. I think Mornay's taken it, eh? I think Mornay's achieved some incredible, incredible things. Well, the, the reality is it's a different era of rugby completely. Nas Buda played with the leather ball, right? So what he could do with the leather ball was amazing. Mornay Stain is in the professional era of the sport. And what he was able to do and carry some of the, you know, Springbok performances over the years, British and Irish Lions, he's done an amazing thing. So I don't think yet. I think when, when we get a little bit older, when we reach our 40s and 50s and 60s, we'll always talk back of uh, old Mornay. The legend. Yeah, I think, especially, like you say, our generation is always going to remember Mornay Stain. I mean, the first Springbok game I ever watched live was him slotting the winner against the British Irish Lions in 2009. So he'll always have a... Was that the game with all Jock Free's trial of the year? Yeah. You're very lucky game. Man. Right in front of me. I was. No wonder you're rugby. Yeah, that's what started it all, eh? Yeah. What, 10 years later, we, we're doing this podcast. So a little bit more. My maths is not so great. <laughs> Like 14 years. <laughs> and then, yeah, I should have known that. It was 12 years between nine series. You don't need to explain how maths works. People know, except you. The Welsh player strike. So I just want to put it out there. Us here at Rugby Punted, we fully support the players in Wales. You're speaking on behalf of me. Yes. I agree with you. Thank you, Ronnie. So, yeah, guys, you have not been treated right. 
at the end of the day, the players and job. the fans, yeah, the players and the fans make the money, bring in the money. The rest is just admin. And if they can't get it right, they deserve to be held to account. Yeah, if these players can't make decisions after, you know, nine months from today, you know, some of them have contracts going up until six months from today. They don't know where they're going to be in seven months, 10 months, 12 months. They need some closure. They need some finality. They need to understand where they are going and what they can do with their families. Can they apply for loans? You know, what's, what's in store in their future? By all means, we support you. Yeah, I mean, just for some context. So they haven't been offered contracts. The deals between the national setup and the club sides has not been finalized. And because of that, no contracts have been offered to the players. So some guys are out of contract, like Ronnie said, you know, six months, nine months down the line. Guys are losing their houses, their cars. Some are moving in back home. But more than that, I think quite a concern for a lot of the players is they're expected to go out this weekend, face England. And if they get a serious injury, they'll be out of contract and they're not able to get another contract and have the medical cover and all of that. Yeah. How can that you deserve? put your body on the line? That's what we talk about in rugby, you know, putting your body on the line for your nation, right? For your country, for the honor of playing for, say, Wales in this, in this regard. But you can't make a proper tackle if you don't think, you know, if you're worried about injury. And you know what will happen if you're not too confident in the tackle, you are going to get injured. So, yeah, not cool. Yeah, it's a real problem. So the Welsh players have actually walked out of a sponsorship dinner. They stayed for appetizers and then left as a bit of a statement. But the big threat is for the test against England this weekend that they won't leave the hotel on Saturday. They might hold a stay away and not play in the game. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. But if it does, you know, this is their chance to make a statement. It doesn't help. There's all talking and no action. And this is probably the only avenue they have to make sure that they're heard. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's... It's a job at the end of the day. We're not in an amateur era of rugby. So we treat it as a job. There should be proper contracts in place. 100%. On end it better than that. And Ronnie, Bok Insights. We got a little episode there on Sunday. I said to you, I thought it looked a little bit staged for the sure videos. Right. But it was good to see, you know, they're, they're looking at a squad of about 45, which will be whittled down to 33 for the World Cup. But it's quite nice to see, you know, how, how they analyze and look at everyone. And the box actually getting together in camp now, 14 players for a three-week training camp, which I think will be great preparation. I enjoyed that show, right? So I know that it was a little bit staged. There weren't enough F-words in there based on the previous videos that came out of the box camp. But it was nice for me to understand why certain players would be left out of the selection. I think they said some players are facing up to 42 games in a season, of which World Rugby says that they can only play 32. So you have to rest a player. And the law... The laws in World Rugby dictate or, or say that even the, even if a player is red carded and, or, or injured, that doesn't count as arrest. That doesn't count. He's still no, in rehab. Arrested for he, a red card. Yeah, he's still training. <laughs> Good joke. So it's it's so they they're still training. They're still working hard. Arrest is arrest is arrest. Where they are, they afford an opportunity to 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 mm. switch off, right? And so a red card doesn't allow that. So if you get red carded, it doesn't, you still have to be rested later on in the season. And that's why people are seeing, you know, certain calls, certain players being put in a position and other players being left out, you know, that you, you didn't think would actually happen, but it does happen. They basically need to be taken entirely out of the team environment, go get out of the weekly preparations and the field sessions and the gym sessions for a proper period of rest, which some of them have had. And now... I guess it's considered for the 14 guys going there a bit of a preseason now that they're doing with the Springbok camp. So it's very good that they're going to get aligned like that. 
they're not going to be in camp nonstop for the the three weeks, but for the the large part of the time they will be there. And it was great to see the likes of Bongi, Mapimpi, Sia. And it's all the domestically based boys basically that are are gathered together in Cape Town. Yeah, and I think I think when I saw the breakdown, I saw there were up to eighteen domestic games that they'd have to play for their domestic team. Up to eighteen, I think it was fourteen, and then plus four playoffs or whatever the case was, plus you know twelve tests or thirteen tests. So to fit all of that into thirty-two is hard, especially when the domestic teams want to utilize that player to 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 the max, right? So the French want to use our South African-based players in all of their games to win games to win the season, but that doesn't mean that means that they can't be available for all Springbok test matches, which I can understand because it's it's long. It's hard to play a full year of rugby. No, it's definitely hard. And I think at this point, you know, in the past, there's been a lot of criticism of them. But I think we should give a shout out to the domestic franchises for really giving their buy-in and supporting this rest period. Yeah, guys, thanks for doing that. Thanks for supporting the national cause because I think ultimately South Africa does well when the Springboks do well. Everyone's happy, everyone's chuffed, and the rugby here does better, gets better viewing. So it is beneficial to everyone to have the box in tip-top form when they need to be. Sure. So we have a fan topic here, and I'm going to let Ronnie run most of this one because I've had many, many words about it. But this one comes in from Christopher Tyndall. Chris, even though I disagree with you, you are welcome to pop us your address and I will send you some punted merch. But you asked here, how can I call Loftus the second worst stadium? They had a massive crowd. They didn't expect so many people. And it is only beer. So I'm going to give a short little explanation and then Ronnie can go away. But they did expect these people because I heard on the radio on Tuesday already that 37,000 tickets had been sold. And when I phoned Linza to come through, I told him there's going to be more than 40,000 people there. So I'm sorry, if you're going to organize that and punch your tickets and then not prepare for the amount of fans that are coming, it's your own fault. And it extends far past this. I've had bad experiences there at Springbok games, domestic games. Yeah. It's just poorly organized. And Chris, please let us know if you've attended other stadiums that you can compare. That's that's my main question. Yeah. So look, you call, so you called it, you, Nicholas, called it the second worst stadium. Who's your first? What's your first? Ellis stadium? Park. Ellis Park. Not, uh, not Bloemfontein Stadium. No, Ellis Park was still worse than Okay, so look, you know, they've only just brought booze back to Loftus. I think there's a bit of a learning curve, for sure. You were never really allowed to drink inside the stadium. It was always outside. So I think that's point number one. Point number two, I think the catering company slipped up there. So maybe Loftus will hold them to account and say that can't happen again. Uh, you guys need to be well stocked. But I have to agree with you. Some of these aged stadiums, I'm talking about Loftus, Ellis Park, Bloemfontein, they've really struggled. They've really struggled, and I was all for them up until I started going to these, you could say the 2010 Soccer World Cup stadiums, you know, Greenpoint in Cape Town. We talk about Umbombela, Nell Sprite, you know, Port Elizabeth, Nelson Mandela. Those are great stadiums to go in. The match day is just fantastic because there's lots of toilets, there's lots of bars, there's not crowds and crowds of people hogging the bars and stuff. You can, you can essentially get a beer relatively quick without missing three quarters of a, of, of a half. Exactly. If you're going to be stuck in queues like that, and I'm sorry, you can't just say the rugby's good and the seats are good. It's a whole experience that you put on together there. And people want to have a beer, or even if it's not a beer and you want to Coke for your kids or a hot dog or whatever, it is a shambles across. You don't want to stand there for 30 minutes to get a Coke for your son. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a simple fix. So it's we not saw just how well Cape Town did it. And honestly, 
Kings Park reached out after I wrote my review last year. Loftus, why don't you do the same? I'm going to pop you guys an email with some suggestions. I really hope you take them on board because there really are some simple logical fixes that you could implement that would drastically change the game day experience. Absolutely. I think that's it from us this week, hey, Ronnie? I think so too. Yeah, the load shedding's still going, but we're going to end it here. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred listening platform and share the pod. We really appreciate all the interaction we've been getting and especially the fan submissions. Lacquer, guys. Catch you back here next week, Wednesday. Mm-hmm.